Hello, 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 and I salam alaikum. Welcome to the conversation piece with your host, Akila. Dear society, how have you been? It's been what? A good while since we last spoke. What have you been up to? Me? Oh, I've just been working. And oh, I started a podcast. Yes, little old me with my little chipmunk voice. Stop laughing. It's called The Conversation Piece, spelled P E A C E. No, not P I E C E. It's a play on words. Huh? Why P E A C E? Well, society, I could ask you that same question because the world, the world has been, has been everything, everything, everything but that. that. Let me share a few journal entries with you. Dear society, this one is called Black Women Salute. In 1962, Malcolm X spoke these words. The most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is a black woman. Why am I mentioning this? Because people, including and especially black people, have been going in on Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, and Megan Thee Stallion. Justifiably or not, and all three are going through trials and tribulations just like everyone else. But the vitriol spewed on social media at black women in general is disgusting. A study from 2018 found that black women were the most abused group on Twitter. Simone Biles is arguably the most decorated gymnast of all time. Of all time. Did you hear me? She's 24. She's a survivor. I choose the word survivor in her case because of Dr. Larry Nasser, a convicted sex offender who sexually abused up to 265 young girls and women, Biles being one of them. So, when Biles withdrew from the group competition in this year's Tokyo Olympics because she felt she wasn't mentally prepared, she wasn't mentally prepared to compete. Full stop. This woman tumbles and twists for a living. And if she got disoriented in the air after a vault, you all really wanted her to push through that? For what? God and country? For your entertainment? What if she hurt herself? Let's say she did compete, but didn't put up the scores she knew she was capable of and hurt the team and her chances for a medal. What then? Whose fault would that have been? Oh, I forgot. Some of y'all probably would have blamed her too. And speaking of scoring, Biles does routines that other gymnasts don't even attempt because the routines are considered too dangerous, but she does them anyway and is underscored in the process. On Twitter recently, SNL alum Michael Che caught backlash after he spread some jokes about Biles and Dr. Nasser. So, if the timeline was accurate, in my opinion, he deserved all the backlash. But Che is no stranger of controversy as some of his targets have been Kanye West, former President Donald Trump, and Lil Wayne. But condoning jokes about rape and sexual assault, that's a new low. Now. He admitted he wanted to make fun of Biles on his Instagram stories, which has since been deleted. And then he cried that his account was hacked. He stated, man, 
I want to make fun of Simone Biles. He then added, I got like three minutes of Simone Biles jokes in my head. I'm going to the cellar tonight to say them in a microphone. As the dorky kids say, I'm choosing violence. So people sent in jokes and he rated them, which is a form of condoning. And some of the jokes were tasteless, a word he used. So while he was catching smoke, he then claimed that he was hacked and tried to deflect incoming fire to him by mentioning the controversy surrounding rapper the baby. A boy bye. Naomi Osaka recently stated that she didn't want to speak with the press citing mental health issues. Naomi has spoken repeatedly about being shy and socially awkward. The later characteristic isn't surprising as she's 24 years old and is of a generation that they've been raised entirely on cell phones and the internet. These youngsters don't have the same interpersonal connections as previous generations do. Also, if you have the chance, check out the Netflix mini documentary series, Naomi Osaka. It provides insights into her upbringing and psyche and if you're paying attention, you can see this press ban coming as some of these reporters ask the most repetitive and mundane questions to athletes in general. I remember in 2018 at the US Open Final where she defeated her childhood hero and competitor, the great Serena Williams. I remember seeing Serena being happy and gracious for her. I also remember the crowd booing Naomi. It was somewhat loud and lingering. Now yes, in sports there are winners and losers, and Naomi looked defeated even though she won the match. Put yourself in her shoes. You just played the match of your life against your idol, your hero, and you win, but the crowd boos you. And this is tennis, not basketball or football. Tennis. I know everyone wanted Serena to chase history and win and be one step closer to reaching and tying the singles woman record held by Marguerite Court, but we have to remember that Serena is also human. and. Now she's 39 years old, so the likelihood of her reaching that record and beating it is slim. I'm not taking anything away from Serena. She is one of my favorites, and she's considered the GOAT by many fans and non-fans alike, but booing Naomi in that moment was so telling on so many levels. Serena is a polarizing figure to some because she's dominant, she's fierce, she's confident, and she doesn't take BS from anyone, and those are her off-the-court qualities. Naomi was featured on the Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover recently, so people naturally had much to say about her body and her willingness to speak to the press then. Like, oh, you can speak to the press now, but listen. Magazine covers are shot months and months in advance, and she is a young woman of mixed ethnicity who is trying to find her identity, her voice, and her purpose. She just what happens to have to do this in front of the world right now, and in front of people who are at the ready to judge every move she makes. So, I don't blame her. If I was her, I would take a timeout too. <music> Megan the Stallion. I'm not a fan per se because I don't listen to her like that. Um, I don't I don't listen to her music. It's nothing personal. Um, I'm just not into hip hop like I once was. So I have no right to criticize or praise her on that front. I do know that she seems to be a divisive figure, whether that's intentional or not. And I'm trying to understand why. Like, for instance, when she got shot, from what I read, people delighted in that. So 
I did a quick internet search on why people don't like Megan Thee Stallion and Lord, look at here. The articles, accusations, the rumors. But then I saw the Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover and then the light bulb went off. Like I stated, I don't know Megan, but from an outsider's perspective, and this is a big assumption, I'm guessing y'all hate her because she loves herself and has no problem letting you know. Because as my niece informed me, she's a stallion and has no qualms showcasing it. I'm like, okay, let's take a deeper look though. The black woman's body historically has been a vehicle for violence, lust, scorn, ridicule, fetishization, and envy by everyone. And within the spectrum of hip hop, artists like Lil' Kim, Foxy Brown, Nicki Minaj, Cardi B, Lizzo, and now Megan, these are women who have owned their own autonomy and have used it for their own personal fame and fortune because people, let's remember what sells, right? But the bravado that a Megan has, that a Nicki has, that little Kim had back in the day, it offends some men and women, let's be honest. Women aren't expected to be that brash, that aggressive, that assertive. That's off-putting to a lot of people. That's off-putting to a lot of males. Women across the world and in some cultures are still expected to be submissive and docile and adhere to the male gaze. But people, I'm here to tell you, that gaze is creepy and tiring. And ironically, that is what Megan is addressing in her latest song, Thought Sugar Honey Iced Tea. Spell it out. It'll come to you. Remember that 2018 study I mentioned about Twitter? Black women are 84% more likely than white women to be disproportionately targeted. One in 10 tweets mentioning black women are abusive or problematic compared to one in 15 for white women. Women of color are 34% more likely to be targeted. While black women receive more abusive tweets compared to white women, Latinx women are more likely to get threats of physical violence. Asian women face more ethnic, racial, and religious slurs and mixed race women face abuse across all categories, including sexism, racism, physical, and sexual threats. What am I trying to say? As black women, we come with baggage, yes, but we have to carry a lot of cargo also. If black women are not raising families, oftentimes by themselves, let's be real about this, I know there are other factors that come with that, but I'm not on that right now. Black women are organizing, working, etc. But we still have to exist in a world that doesn't show us love and appreciation often. And turns out, we'll kill you just as quickly as it does our brothers. Breonna Taylor, Sandra Bland, Atiana Jefferson, just to name a few. And the list is too long. Black women are out here in the streets, not only fighting against police brutality, but trying to save democracy itself. Hello, people. Knock, knock. Who is it? Republicans. Republicans are out here trying to take away and suppress your vote. So, when a sister says she's tired and needs a break, how about we give her one? Because if no one is going to take care of us, we need to take care of ourselves, first and foremost. So, my sisters, put those capes away for a minute and go chill. Trust me, the world will be calling on you again soon. Hey, hey you, yeah I'm talking to you. Do you have Spotify? If so, 
turn on the notification button. Dear Society, this is called The Record That Matters. To whom much is given, much is expected in return. Luke 12:48. The Creator who made us gave us all talents and gifts, and we must use those talents for the benefit of each other. If we are ungrateful for our blessings, rest assured, they can be taken away from us. My imam asks me often, what am I doing with my writing? Am I keeping up with it? Answer, yes I am. I've been writing since I was a young girl and I love being creative. I took a visceral verse course last year and the instructor Afros made a very interesting observation about me. She stated that I feel I do this work because I must. And she said that being a writer is like holding a sword. Words are my sword and I can do as much good or harm with them as possible. But when you think about it, we are all writers and we are all writing our book, our book of deeds. So let us be more conscious of how we treat each other, the words we use with each other. We all come into the world the same, naked, and we will all leave this world the same for the most part, in a box. All of us headed to the same measured dimensions, six feet under. All of us returning to our maker. And for those of us who believe in the hereafter, we know the day that we will all see, the judgment day, where our record will be presented to us, our deeds. That record is the only one that should matter because we will be facing the ultimate judge. I want to share a hadith with you all. Number 42. On the authority of Anas, may Allah be pleased with him, who said, I heard the messenger of Allah, may the peace and blessings be upon him, say, Allah the Almighty has said, O son of Adam, so long as you call upon me and ask of me, I shall forgive you for what you have done, and I shall not mind. O son of Adam, were your sins to reach the clouds of the sky, and were you then to ask forgiveness of me, I would forgive you. O son of Adam, were you to come to me with sins nearly as great as the earth, and were you to face me, prescribing no partner to me, I would bring you forgiveness nearly as great as it. Dear Society, this is called Six Feet Under. I cried when I wrote this. A good cry is healthy sometimes. The release can be cleansing. I found myself having a good cry when I got done with the series Six Feet Under. I heard from everyone who's seen it that the finale is considered one of the best television endings of all time. So I was skeptical upon hearing this. I've seen many series endings and most of them are passable. But Six Feet Under and the last five minutes had me weeping because I recognized that it was a reminder of my own mortality. Yes, I have shortcomings and I had to do some reflection. I reminded myself that I, like the rest of these fictional characters, am going to pass on one day into the next phase return to the earth, and eventually meet the creator. How and when is the only missing component? So the character Claire, the youngest daughter of the Fisher family, kept cruising down a lonely highway. It became apparent as time passed that none of us will know 
the how and when. So while we are here, we must make the most of this life. The most of this life can be fleeting and we must make every moment count. The next day is not guaranteed to anyone. The next hour is not guaranteed. That reminder kept jumping out at me when death came and claimed the lives of these fictional characters. And I know, crying over fictional characters seemed juvenile, but the metaphors in the last minutes were so moving. Some of them were prepared for death, and some of them were not, but they kept living their lives. As the car kept cruising down the highway, the road itself reminded me of life. Life is a journey. Some of us are blessed to see many mile markers before we get off on an exit, and some of us are not so lucky. But those of us who are blessed with many mile markers need to be appreciative of the mercy and grace from God. Every day above ground is a blessing. So what are we doing with that blessing? How are we living our lives? Recently, and I do mean recently, my faith wasn't shaken, but I felt wobbly and caught off guard, and I felt weird for being caught off guard. I know that Allah plans and we plan, and he is the best of planners, for he knows all and sees all. I know I should be more prepared if someone passes, especially if they're close to me. So I have a confession to make. It's hard being human sometimes. What? Yes, but what is there to say about a girl who sees the world through dark brown eyes, brown skin, but as a Muslim, one who is trying to practice her deen daily? A Muslim with a heart that sometimes questions her environment, her vision, her emotions. When I die and I'm questioned and my body speaks for me, what part will be the loudest, my eyes or my heart? I know both will submit and be truthful as you bear witness, even if it's against your own soul. And as Muslims, we are to think about death and death often. And that's not to sound morbid. It's just a reminder that since you do not know the when and how, you need to be as humble, as righteous, and God conscious as much as possible. You need to be striving for good deeds. Remember, we are all writing our books. Nobody's perfect. But you can make the effort to be humble. You make the effort to be righteous. You make the effort to do good. Some think they have to be perfect and lead a perfect life, but that's unrealistic. Nobody is perfect. And the moment we think we failed in that pursuit of perfection, we get frustrated and disillusioned and we give up. Perfection should not be the goal. Effort and perseverance are the key. If you keep making effort, you can come close to perfection. But even though we're perfection, is subjective. During a... Uh, Quranic reading recently, a question was asked if it's normal for a believer's faith to go in and out. And the answer was yes. There are times when I feel full of faith that I might just burst open. And there are times when I feel shaky. I will admit it. It's hard, especially in America and as Western society. But also, I'm emotional. I must learn to master my emotions. After all, this is a test. How will I navigate my way through the test? Will I give up and accept defeat and fail? Or will I use the tools at my disposal? The greatest tool of all, the remembrance of Allah, the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings be upon him, the guidance of the Holy Quran, and inshallah, I pray I pass the test. So, 
my confession is over. Let me get back to work and try to earn this A. Hey, hey you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Do you have Spotify? If so, turn on the notification button. You can also find the Conversation Beats podcast on Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, RadioPublic.com, Breaker.audio, and Anchor.fm backslash Akilah Lynch, spelled A-Q-U-I-L-A-L-I-N-C-H. Thank you for your support. Dear Society, this next one is called The Art of Satan, the Avowed Enemy. It is weird to draw inspiration from an anime. I know, I already hear you snickering, but I have been rewatching Naruto Shippuden and certain themes are sticking out to me, like love and hate. I mean, these are universal concepts as old as time itself. Since mankind was created, these emotions have played out in humans worldwide. But love and hate are powerful motivators that can drive humans to beautiful and disastrous behaviors. From the Quranic perspective, these emotions are heightened as they turn into action. Our creator fashioned mankind and breathed of his spirit into our original ancestor, Adam. This breath distinguished us from his creation. We are also gifted with limited free will. Mankind is considered a marvel of creation that only a benevolent loving creator could fashion. A command was given to his other creation, the angels. Bow down to Adam. The angels bowed down obediently. Another creation was also present, one of the jinn, Iblis, who also had free will. Iblis, however, did not bow down. He was arrogant, haughty, and thought of his existence as better than man. When Allah asked him why he did not bow down, he challenged his maker. I am better than him. You did make him from clay, and you made me from fire. Iblis, who evolved into the, the Shaitan, or Satan, set upon his mission. His goal is to prove to his creator that he made a mistake in creating mankind. Let's look at this for a moment. Love and hatred. Our creator loves us like he loves the rest of his creation. For why would he create mankind? He is the originator. Besides him making the heavens and the earth, the oceans, the mountains, the sun, the moon, the trees, everything you see, he made mankind and breathe a part of himself into Adam. He made mankind to worship him and him only. So that essence of him has been passed down through the ages and exists in every single person on earth. That is a mercy that has been gifted to mankind that no other creation has. And with that mercy is a limited free will. We can think and make decisions for ourselves. Mankind and Jinn are the only creation that have that characteristic. But the Iblis, the Shaitan, the devil, Satan, made a choice to disobey his creator and then challenged Allah by making it known that he is on a mission to destroy mankind. Allah is our creator and our instructor, our teacher, our guide, in which the Quran is a manifestation of that. A part of a teacher's job is to explain things and to give you an example. Allah instructed Adam and his mate to stay away from a tree. If they did not, they would run into harm and transgression. A tree, singular, not trees. Allah tested them after he made them to see if they would obey him. Allah already knew the decision they would make, so why did they get tested? 
The story of Adam differs between the biblical and Quranic versions. The Bible says that Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent, and Eve tempted Adam to take a bite of the apple. It also lays the blame of the fall of man on the woman, Eve, and therefore all of mankind is cursed and sent to the earth as a punishment. This view gives a gateway for people to view women in a scornful way as inferior, devious, manipulating, and evil. The Quranic perspective is vastly different. The blame is on both. They both must account for the actions that they took. When Adam transgressed and ate from a tree, he repented immediately and asked for forgiveness. Earlier when I stated that Satan refused to bow down to Adam, Satan disobeyed Allah and did not repent. In fact, he got arrogant in the face of Allah and doubled down. Since you put me in the wrong, I am going to make wrong fair seeming to them. Satan still did not take account for his actions and place blame elsewhere other than himself. Satan disobeyed, did not repent for his actions, shamed and humiliated himself, and showed disregard and arrogance to his creator and was kicked out of paradise. Adam sinned, repented, and was forgiven and placed on earth with the means to take care of himself and provide a livelihood for himself and his companion. He was also given instruction. Then learned Adam from his Lord, words of inspiration, and his Lord turned towards him, for he is often returning most merciful. We said, get you down from here, and if as is sure there comes to you guidance from me, whosoever follows my guidance on them shall be no fear, nor shall they grieve. Quran makes things clear. Allah proclaimed to the angels that he was about to make a Khalifa on earth. Something in the word Khalifa had the angels question, like, what was Allah about to create? Was he going to create something that would shed blood and cause mischief? But Allah makes it plain, and the answer was in front of me the whole time, and I've read the Quran multiple times. Allah stated, before the creation of Adam took place, where the angels were present, I am going to create a vicegerent on earth. On earth not paradise. Allah taught Adam the nature and names of all things. Allah taught Adam language. He asked the angels to name things, which they cannot. They respond, we only know what you have taught us. Allah then instructs Adam to name the nature of things, and he names them. Allah responds, did I not tell you that I know the secrets of heaven and earth, and I know what you conceal and what you reveal? Allah then instructs the angels to bow down to Adam, and they dutifully bow down. Allah gave Adam distinction and responsibility of being a Khalifa. What is a Khalifa? Khalifa has many meanings, and some of its meanings is successor, succeed, to follow, come after, to take the place of, substitute, to replace, to have descendants. Allah speaks of the human's potential. We are considered the crown of his creation. Allah has given dignity and honor to his creation. We are the ones who tarnish our dignity and our honor by disobeying and being ungrateful. Allah speaks about the potential that exists within each and every one of us and how we use what is on earth for our benefit and yes, to our destruction. Our makeup is complex. We can be rebellious, stubborn, arrogant, vengeful, impatient, hateful. We can also be loving, merciful, compassionate, empathetic, sincere, grateful, we have within us the capacity to love and to hate. These are choices. Which one motivates us more though?
Look around the world today. I never thought I would be living in a time and under circumstances that my mom found herself having to survive in. My mom grew up in Jim Crow South. My mom grew up in a time where she was reminded that the color of her skin did not permit her in certain spaces. She was reminded visually that she was to use this water fountain, this bathroom. She was reminded that her place was on the back of the bus. Those were visuals everywhere for quote unquote colored people. In present day America, there may not be visuals for quote unquote colored people. There may not be physical signs, but there are signs nonetheless. We saw a man get his life crushed out of him for nearly nine minutes. And the visual of the officer with his hands in his pockets and his face just as calm as the weight of his existence was snuffing out the existence of George Floyd. Richard Brooks had a half hour conversation with an officer before he was gunned down in the back. Ahmaud Aubrey got hunted down by two white male vigilantes in broad daylight while simply jogging. Breonna Taylor, in the middle of the night, got shot multiple times by cops serving a no-knock warrant looking for a man who was already in custody. I'm not bringing this up to open up old wounds. I'm trying to make sense of the madness sometimes. Remember, we're still in the middle of a pandemic with record number of cases daily. In these modern times, what are we choosing as motivators in our interactions with each other as humans? Why does it seem that Iblis, the Shaitan, the devil, is winning? Because it is allowed to exist. We have bought into the indifference. It is indifference that allows evil to flourish. If it doesn't happen to me and mine, then I don't care. That is a mindset out there. That satanic mindset flourishes in this environment. Look at how this pandemic is ravishing the world. Some people are in utter despair, hopelessness, madness. Allah says in the Quran, he does not want to put the believer in difficulty. He has perfected our religion for us. All he asks is us to worship him and look out for one another, cultivate one another, respect one another. But that devil boy, mm. How do you hate someone for having a different skin complexion than you? A different hair texture, a different accent, a different religion. We could all be walking around with one skin tone. We could all be speaking one language. We could all have one religion or no religion. We would still find something to complain about though, right? Because most of us are ungrateful. But look at the beautiful diversity in God's creation. Those of us who are conscious and marvel at the beauty and majesty of it. Do you really think that diversity would not manifest itself in us by the one who made us? Oh mankind, indeed we have created you from a male and a female and made you into people and tribes that you may know one another, not despise one another. Indeed, the most noble of you in the sight of Allah is the most righteous of you. Surah 49 verse 13. We have a choice. We have a choice and control over our emotions. I'm not being simplistic. We're mirrors of each other. We reflect what we see and feel. And if I'm feeling like crap today, then guess what? Misery loves company and I'm going to dish it out. And that is what Shaitan is counting on. That's what the devil is counting on. He has a mission. It is simple but complex. Satan will come at you in ways you see coming from the front. And when you defeat him from the front, he'll try a different approach. Satan has several approaches to making mankind sin. He will take a sin that you do once and turn it into a habit. So you have a hard day at work and nothing, but a drink will lift this heaviness, right? 
so you take a sip of alcohol and you're not even a drinker satan will try and have you rationalize this in your head like oh don't worry it's just one drink another approach is to make a minor sin and turn it into a major sin then take that major sin and turn it into disbelief and despair you know you might as well not even try and, and be a muslim anymore don't even try and be a christian look at you you're not even praying anymore you don't go to the masjid the church synagogue just give up already you're already going to hell Another tactic is making people hasty. We live in a microwave society and having accustomed to things instantaneously. So when something doesn't work out soon or in a certain time frame, we become impatient and anxious. That anxiety can turn into anger. The devil plays on that. Haste is the work of the devil, especially in the middle of an argument. Prophet Muhammad, may peace be upon him, said, do not act in haste. If you find yourself in the middle of an argument, he said to change positions. If you're standing up, then sit down. If you're sitting down, then go lie down. Take a break. Evil has a point of view. And let us not forget that we need to appeal to the better angels within us. But the indifference that some of us maintain within ourselves starts to eat away at us. And the next thing you know, that indifference spreads out. And that is one of the goals of Satan to get you to forget yourself, your honor and dignity, and then to get you to give up on yourself. So when you give up and trouble comes, you don't take accountability for your actions. You start to blame others. Like Satan blamed Allah for kicking him out of paradise. You start to blame God for your troubles. Then Satan has you in his clutches, but he won't stop there. He'll keep going until you have you degrading yourself. And when you start degrading yourselves, he won't stop. So let me make a distinction. Satan really wants to bring down the believers, the righteous, the pious, those of us who are striving to do the right thing. Satan salivates in trying to bring down the believer. And he will wait and wait and wait. But he is an avowed enemy to mankind. So we have to be just as vigilant in not letting Satan get to us. But the road to degradation begins with being ungrateful, arrogant, indifferent, Fear not your enemies, for they can only kill you. Fear not your friends, for they can only betray you. Fear only the indifferent, who allow the killers and betrayers to walk freely on this earth. Edward Yazinski. I don't think of myself as a pessimist, although it does get hard sometimes. But my faith teaches me that the believers will eventually win through. That good triumphs over evil. Light is disinfectant for the darkness. And I am not perfect, and I'm sure I have my breaking points. But I have to remember that I'm here for a purpose, a noble purpose. A purpose that my creator wants me to succeed. And if I allow Satan to get to me, then that is on me. Satan has no physical power over us. He only invites. He whispers. He even gets us to justify why we're sinning. Satan does not love us. He cannot stand mankind. He is jealous AF, as they say. Remember that Satan asked his creator to give him respite, time, to prove that mankind was a mistake. So, it may seem that he's winning, but that can change. We can change. So, at 1311, Indeed, Allah will not change the condition of a people until they change what is in themselves. Change starts with the individual. My Imam, Abdul Haq Muhammad, said, If Allah responds to the request of the devil, 
What makes you think he would not respond to us? So, dear society, how was that? Did you like it? I hope you got something from it. But before I let you go, I want to give you a sneak peek into an upcoming episode with me and my girl Cece. So, with the two of us, you already know what time it is. What time is it? A conversation that is blood raw. It's so much, it's so much going on. It's so much going on. It's scary too. Like everything that's been prophesized in Revelations and certain parts that come on, it's like you see it happening in real time. It's like it's it feels like any day now. It's like he's waiting on that trumpet to sound, like, oh here, okay, it's their judgment. <laughs> Get you yourself together. Look, oh, you ain't here? Oh, I don't know. But I oh, know. Oh, you're gonna hear it. Everybody gonna hear it. Everybody gonna hear that thing. I mean, because I've 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 read Revelations in the Bible. Mm -hmm. the living crap out of me and the certain sections of the Quran that um give give uh descriptions of that day the events is very vivid so yeah everybody don't know well some people some people would know what's going on some people like what the hell is going on just like today there's people who are conscious people who are not mm -hmm. conscious and people who are just like meandering somewhere in the middle but all these uh natural disasters and you and you know what there is I don't know it's just my optimism <laughs> my optimism I'll tell you um I'm grateful for it but I feel like if we if everybody stop pay attention if everybody paid attention at the same time I feel like mother earth would be like y'all straight no but the irony you saying that when when the world um during the first few months of the pandemic, they were saying how because of, uh, there was not much movement from human activity, mm -hmm. the earth started to repair itself. And I've always said that mankind has this special, because we're from the earth, we've always had this special symbiotic relationship with the earth. And so we're of it and it is of us. And so it reflects our behavior. So we're not showing any respect mm -hmm. to it. <laughs> what do we expect from the earth? We, what do we expect back? You know, it's almost like an abusive relationship. We're abusing the yeah. earth. And then and getting away with it. You know what I mean? It will seem like you're getting away with it, but really it's almost like we just hadn't re reached that threshold of where the earth just break and get in our tail. Well, we're I reaching it. You know what I mean? Like look at now these it's now it's like two hurricanes at the same time and a typhoon and it's dry, everything on fire. Things caving in, sinkholes, the earth is shaking. You understand what I'm saying? Just ain't no warning. It's almost like, give me this. Well, you know, no, I would push back and say the warning is in is in the is in the disasters. It's like we you yes, see what's going I on. It's like, wait a minute. I didn't wait a minute. Like Kevin something, I think uh on his Facebook uh page the other day, he said something about how this wasn't the same sun. He he was complaining how he might have uh -huh. to leave Florida because it's too hot. Yeah, he's like, this ain't that. the same sun. He's like, this ain't the same sun as I'm accustomed to back in the day. It's like, no, it's not. It's not. 
I remember, you remember I was playing as kids, we could play outside all day. We could play outside all day and just, you know, now, shoot. It was hot, but we could handle it. You know, right. like, we were like, right. it, it wasn't too hot. Now it is too hot. hot. My dog, Atlas. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, Atlas, come on, let's, you know, let's go outside or whatever. Girl, he gets to the door and it's like, he look up like, who gonna, Oh no, I ain't go. It literally is too hot for him. I, and one day I was like, I'm gonna see what he's gonna do. I'm gonna push my day anyway and close the door. And he looked at me and girl, you know, the chest sitting outside. Why he got up under the chair? Oh, I said, Come on here, boy. It's, it's even Atlas, like, it's hot. A dog tell you it's too hot. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Conversation Peace Podcast. I am your humble host, Akila, requesting that you join me again. So until then, be safe. Love and value yourself so that you can love and value others. I bid you adieu with the greeting. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be with you.